full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, and today. No, this isn't some FM radio promo you'll hear in your dentist's office. I'm talking about the government's multi-decade pursuit of Willie Falcone, one of the most prolific cocaine smugglers in history. This chase has spanned years. When he's been on the lam, there are witness executions, CIA intrigue, fixed juries, and pretty much every trope from the third season of Miami Vice. And now that Willie Falcone has served more than 20 years in jail, Uncle Sam wants to deport him to his native Cuba. Here with the seemingly never-ending story of Miami's biggest cocaine cowboy. Stay with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Health Warrior, maker of Chia Bars. With only 5 grams of sugar total, 100 calories, and 4 grams of fiber, Health Warrior Bars have become a favorite power-up snack. I love Chia Bars in mango and apple cinnamon. You'll see they're really popular pumpkin seed varieties. You can pick them up at Whole Foods, Wegmans, Target, or for my RVA listeners, Elwood Thompson's. And if you're bold enough to buy a box of 15 bars, you could get 15% off at healthwarrior.com by entering code FULL15 at checkout. And by Elwood Thompson's, my favorite market. I am there constantly. It's in the middle of Virginia at the top of Carytown at the corner of Elwood and Thompson Streets. You will catch me there on the mornings trying the Blanchard's Coffee on Indian Wednesdays. There's Mexican food on some Fridays. There's a gorgeous brunch on the weekends. Visit them at elwoodthompsons.com and at the top of Carytown. Joining us from Miami is Carlos Ruiz Alcaña. He is friends with Willie Falcone. You yourself are a veteran smuggler. You were one of the famous marimberos from the 1970s. You knew the waterways in the Caribbean and the Keys very well, and that's where you often cross paths with Willie Falcone. Full disclosure, you are in my upcoming book, Hotel Scarface, which drops on October 17th. And since I couldn't quite fit this part into the book, it had to go to press over the summer. I figured I could rush to have you on. Thank you so much. Oh, how you doing, uh, Robert? Robin, I'm sorry. <laughs> how are you? Good, good. Listen, Car- Carlito, I want to know why this is still in the news. Willie Falcone, um, uh, you know, the head of Los Muchachos, the, the famous, uh, you know, Cuban exile cocaine gang smuggling group in Miami, which which ran uh, probably the biggest enterprise in Miami history. That He was apprehended in October of 1991 by the feds, by the DEA and the FBI in Operation Sunrise. His sentence was 20 years. So he's already spent 25, 26 years in jail. Why is the government wanting to deport him? Well, there, there are different, there are different uh, applications of the uh, extradition laws as far as uh, the Cuban are concerned that are not U.S. citizens. Uh, uh, Willie, Willie Falcon is included in the uh, U6, what they call classification U6. We came in with uh, what they call visa waiver, and we didn't need a visa after the mi- missile crisis with, uh, with Cuba. In the early uh, '60s, yes. The, so the young, the young people who came in did not need a visa. Okay, and then, then in 1980, they gave the Marielitos a parole, which said that if they violated the the uh, uh, the laws of the United States, they'll be deported automatically. And then they made a deal with Cuba, and they sent some, and Cuba didn't comply, and whatever. But Willie Falcone is. It could get extradited, like I, I, I am. I got to go report on the sixth. I got, I got to go Thursday. Uh, I signed. The only problem that I see here 
is, and, and it cost me more than 15 grand to pay my attorney. There is a key word answer to your uh, deportation INS officer. And it's the first question they ask you, do you fear for your life if you're deported to Cuba? You have to say no. Why? Because if you do say yes, and I think this article that I read on the uh, paper and I contacted a very good friend of, 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 the, of, of Willie's family, it, it was, it, it, this article was uh, 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 typed and, and drafted by, by, by probably his attorney. And as I'm assuming, you know, sometimes assumption is a model of failure, but I'm pretty sure this assumption is, is very positive that they thought that they could uh, motivate the government to <clears throat> stop his deportation and, 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 and cut him loose, but it doesn't happen. You either sign the deportation and get called loose. If you don't sign deportation, you, you stay in custody indefinitely. I don't understand this, Carlos. Listen, he is not a citizen. He's 61 years old. He was born in Cuba, never became a U.S. citizen. His defense is now saying that if you deport him, it's tantamount to a death sentence because, as you know, we know the history of Cuban exile smugglers in South Florida, a lot of those proceeds went to finance anti-Castro activities. Uh, the late Fidel Castro's brother is now in charge of Cuba. So if, oh, you, yeah. send, if you send an ex-con, an American ex-con, without citizenship privileges over there, is there any sort of agreement between Washington and Havana that you will respect his human rights, that you wouldn't execute him? I mean, how does that even work? Well, I I, uh, <clears throat> I I can tell you this: if they want to apply it, they will. If but I don't see I don't see an honest I don't see an honest attitude from the Cuban government. They have never complied with any agreement with the United States. It's a matter of what they need or what they don't need. Why they don't they don't repatriate the Cubans? that are there running from the law here. We have 180, maybe more, that have jumped up to $5 million bond, Medicaid fraud, all kinds of stuff. Cuba doesn't want to give them up. So you're saying you're saying Cuban-Americans who committed ill acts here in the United States are taking cover in Cuba, and it's not like Havana is extraditing them to the U.S.? They're not, and I don't see that in the near future. How about this, uh, uh, th th this lady that belonged to the Black Panthers? They, they killed two police officers. In, in New York, they, she escaped from a prison. She had life, and 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 Obama and and Raúl uh, Castro negotiated that, and Raúl Castro said no, and it was before Fidel died, and and, and Raúl Castro answer was that's Fidel uh, uh, gave political uh, asylum to those people, and I respect that. Now this lady robbed banks here. She killed two police officers. The family of those police officers, they won. They want a closure to that. They want to bring to justice that the lady and, 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 and her associates, but it, it won't happen. But uh, uh, I can tell you this, and, and it goes for the, uh, most of the Cubans that were brought into a, a grand jury in 1993 by uh, ex-U.S. Uh, Attorney Guy Lewis and, and, and Tom Moby Hill and several other uh, top guns and, and people from State Department that testify in the grand jury to indict Raul Castro for trafficking uh, in cocaine. Okay, okay, we're we're getting into very confusing territory here. Before we unpack any of that, I want to take a piece from the Miami Herald article that appeared on September 30th uh, okay. on on the government's uh, intention to 
deport Willie Falcone after he's finished his jail sentence in June. It says, the federal government's decision to deport Falcone is unusual. I'm quoting Jay Weaver, um, the criminal justice reporter at the Miami Herald. More than 28,000 Cuban Cuban nationals convicted of felony crimes in the U.S. have not been deported to Cuba because the U.S. had no diplomatic relations with the communist country until 2015. Of those Cuban felons released into U.S. society, some 2,000 were involved in murders in Florida and other states since the early 1960s, according to federal records. Now, he further says that people close to Falcone, Willie Falcone, including his former criminal defense lawyer, say the regime of Raul Castro would view him as a mortal enemy of the Cuban government because more than two decades ago, Falcone clandestinely helped finance efforts to kill Fidel Castro, who died last year. So this is very, very tricky territory, uh, Carlitos. Typically in the past, especially you know within yes. the, the Reagan and Bush 41 uh, regimes, you would give some – a degree of protection to, um, let's say, uh, people in the Cuban underworld element if they were helping finance, you know, anti, anti Castro or Contra operations in the late '80s. It seems like that protection is kind of dissipated now. It's 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 open market for anybody. It, it is. It is. This is not the '70s. This is not the '60s. If if Cuba if Cuba can use uh, the presence of Willie, and I pray and I hope to God that Willie gets released to his family, put an end to this, and, and he already paid the debt to society. He, he did many, many years. Uh, and I can tell you from my heart, Willie Falcon is not the kind of guy that will go and kill, shoot somebody. He's not. He's not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bashing for anybody else. I'm talking about Willie and Augusto Guillermo Falcon. He's not. And, and I got released. I'm included in those 2,000. I, I was convicted. I played out to manslaughter. Uh, it, it was supposed to be self-defense, but, you know, you got a record. Self-defense is not applies. It's, it's only a name. And I played out to, to, to manslaughter. I'm deportable. I'm included in the 2,000. But here's what the government agreed with uh, Obama, agreed with, with the Castro. The Marielitos that were in the first agreement to be deported, most of them have died. So... They're going to fill those spaces of deportation with the 2,000 that are the first choice to be deported to Cuba that are convicted of, of, of hyenas crime or whatever they want so to call let me, it. So let me, let me further explain this for our you listeners. Understood the, you, yeah. understand, you understand the point? Yeah, let me, let me explain this for everybody. The Mariel boat lift entailed 120,000 Cuban refugees, uh, boat lifters coming here in 1980. They just kind of crammed into South Florida. The United States accepted them by and large. Around 10,000 of them were criminals. We realized 20. that 20,000. Fidel Castro had had um, un- unleashed some of his most violent criminals on the United States, emptied his prisons. Um, you're saying that many of those have died. Have any been Have any been deported so far? Have the Mariels been sent back to Cuba? Yes, yes. I, I don't have the right figure. They were sent back to Cuba. And, and you have to realize one thing. When they arrived in Key West in 90, 1980, most of those criminals were forced to... to I'm not saying the whole 20,000. Most of those criminals... Were, they, they were brought here against their will. Fidel Castro put them on boats. And here's what they told me at the, at the uh, uh, Mariel, uh, 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 at the pier. You're going to take five of your family members, and I want you to put these 20 people in your boat. If you don't do that, you're going to go back empty. We were forced to bring them. Now, when they got to Key West and they were interviewed by INS, most of them said, 
hey, I'm a hardened criminal. I, I stopped somebody five times. I raped a young girl. And, and they, they say that because they didn't want to be here. They want to stay over there in the country. They were forced out. And, and that backfired on them. Uh, almost a thousand of them were never released to, to society. Uh, several were killed. You have to remember one thing. They took over three uh, federal prisons, and, and that was never done by, uh, by any other type of, of and criminal. It did, it did recourse to Miami. Miami became the murder capital of America by 1981. It was on the cover of Time magazine as Paradise Lost. The, the cocaine and Latin-on-Latin Latin homicide rate was enormous. But of course, let's bring it back to Willie Falcone. Willie Falcone, as we explain, his whole motif, at least for the 80s, was – we want to be loved, not feared. Even though they were working for the Colombians, the Colombian cocaine cartels, which were violent when they needed to be, if you talk about Grisel de Blanco or Pablo Escobar, uh, Willie especially was not a violent guy. I mean, he—he's not. I mean, he was a—he was a high school dropout, but he was much more of a playboy, of a lover, of a—he was on the speedboating circuit. He would party at the mutiny. Is there any evidence that they have? You know, that this guy is a, is a threat to society in South Florida as a as a violent criminal being unleashed? None whatsoever. I will sign for him, and I have a bad record. I will sign and be responsible for Willie Falcon, uh, uh, uh signature to be released to society. Uh, i uh, I uh, not saying that what he did was not wrong to smuggle. I, I, I was an ex-smuggler. I repented. Uh, I've been blessed. I love this country. Uh, with 64 years old, I'll go fight for this country right now and die with pride. I got 12 grandchildren here, born in the United States. All my families are, are American. I got Cuban blood. If, if, if it'll be God's will for me to go back to my country, well, I'll go. But they ain't going to hold me back to coming back. I, got, I, got my, I can find my ways to come back and risk being another five years in jail. That's, and I love this country. But as far as Willie is concerned, uh, you have to realize that there are red flags in the computers of the Justice Department because of what happened. And I, uh, that uh, can be controlled. Uh, my, my assumption is if they have their ways, they will hold them indefinitely, even if they have to break their own laws. How is this, and, Carlos? And, and, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to say this, uh, but it is. It is what it is. It's the truth. Carlos, I don't understand. How is that legal? He served his time, but because he's not a citizen, because he's now looked at what is... Not an illegal alien. He came here with a visa waiver. How can they legally? I understand you're not an attorney. How can they just deport somebody like that? Okay, and, and you do want to hear something else. Uh, uh, sixty, forty-five, sixty days ago, they they came out with another criteria. Instead of holding Cubans deportables for ninety days until they they sign their deportation on their own will, they'd be released to the community. Now they went up to one hundred and eighty days. You got to spend six months and they notify Cuba one time a month and they bring you a, a piece of paper, you sign it. They're telling you, okay, this is your second interview, your third interview to six. Okay, $168 a day out of, uh, out of, out of, out of, out of hardworking people's money are paid to Baker County uh, Detention Center uh, uh, and, and several other uh, detention centers that they're using to hold. Uh, most of the deportables, including the Cubans. Hmm. That don't make no sense to me. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are talking to Carlos Ruiz Alcano. He is a uh, longtime smuggler. You've spent a lot of time behind bars. You were a deportation risk for a while in South Florida, in the exile community. 
Um, we're specifically talking about Willie Falcone. He is probably the most recognized cocaine smuggler in Miami history. And he got out of jail in June, served his 20-year sentence. But the government has since kept him in detention and is threatening to deport him. He has a hearing this week. And his attorneys are saying that it's tantamount to a death sentence to send him back to Cuba because he has financed anti-Castro activities. Uh, I want to understand politically, Carlos, why aren't uh, – you know, the, the Cuban-American community in South Florida is notoriously powerful politically. I mean, Ileana ross Layton is leaving office, but there are others that are there. The Trump administration came to South Florida and gave a very popular speech over the summer about relations with Cuba and not so fast, everything we signed with Obama. Uh, why isn't this being run up the ladder politically? It is political, like, like you just said. Uh, uh, we have Marco Rubio. Uh, in favor of major Cuban deportation, fine. I respect that. He uh, he is in Washington. He uh, I, I respect Ileana. I have very very big respect for Ileana Ross Lettinian for always uh, telling the world who the Castro regime are. Uh, uh, to deport Willie Falcon to Cuba after that article on the newspaper a couple of days ago is murder. It's murder. Willie Falcon. If he did, if he did send money, it, it was like everybody else chipping in to try to get some democracy back to Cuba and get the Castro's out, but uh, not to kill Castro. That's that's uh, Castro has has so many people taking care of him. The CIA couldn't kill him. So come on, give me a break. I um, I I that I, I was disgusted to to read that. And, and if if it was done by the attorneys, very wrong done because the key word is you you don't fear for your life going to Cuba. Willie Falcon has not broken any law in Cuba. What do you think happens now that the hearing is, is underway? I mean, do you think that this is a bluff? Do you think that this is the prosecutor's office and the DEA trying to really get back at, at Falcon because this was a hugely contested process? Not only were these guys, originally they pled guilty in April of 1980. I mean, parallel to the Mariel uh, boatlift occurring. And then they're on the lam for much of the 1980s. They're only apprehended in 1991, the Willie Falcone gang. And the trial took place in 1995, I believe, after witness executions and there was jury tampering and whatnot. Only did they get their prison time at the turn of the century, I believe in 2002, 2003. So is this a case of kind of uh, maybe the prosecutor never wants to see this guy back out on the streets of Miami? Oh, that's definitely. But let me tell you something. The hearing, I believe he has a hearing coming up either tomorrow or soon. The offer is going to be either you sign your deportation, we will release you. If you don't sign your deportation for fear of getting killed, uh, if we send you back to Cuba, then you're going to stay inside indefinitely because you are a danger to society. Does it make sense? It doesn't. Why how does, it, how does that even work? You sign, you sign the deportation even though you believe that there's a, an imminent threat to your life. Um, even his attorneys and everybody saying that if we send him back, he's very probably going to be killed. But then they would release him if he signed that deportation certificate? If no, he didn't, no, then they me, would let, keep him? Let me tell you something. I'm not 100% sure even if he signs it that they might release him. They got the right to hold him indefinitely. I know a guy called Nicotine. His nickname is Nicotine, Nicotina, an old man. He got arrested in 83, came in the Maria Ball lift. He spent 13 years in immigration hall, only, only, only was out for a few days. He spent 13 years immigration hall, and they finally released him. He's an old man. 
and, and let me tell you something. Immigration is very complex. They got power and they can do uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, they don't have to listen to nobody. Hmm. Uh, I don't finally, know if you understand my point. Yeah, yeah. I just want to understand to what extent maybe is he being punished for uh, the uh, the jury fixing and the witness executions that really followed this trial and the pursuit of William Sal in, in 90 and 91 and 92? Definitely. Uh, uh, that's not going to end. I, I'm not going to mention the name of the prosecutor, but I, 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 I know one of the top guns says, I will not, I will not retire until I see these two guys dead, die in jail. So uh, that's, I, that's very unprofessional. I, I think when you pay your debt to society, you know, on, on Salvador's case, I'm not too familiar with it. I know there, there are several murders, witnesses that are killed. I mean, you, 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 also you don't go, and out, uh, go out there and kill a, a federal witness. That's wrong. You don't kill a cop. You kill a federal witness, you are messing up justice. And the Justice Department here, I think the, the Justice Department uh, 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 is going to hold that against Willie, even though he wasn't convicted same as uh, the same charges as uh, Salvador. So you are you are of the belief that he is not culpable for the witness executions, that that was not in his hands? I and and, and I will tell you something, and 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 the facts speak for for itself. Willie, off the record, let me tell you something. Willie was not never agree with that. Never, and I'm not going to get into many details. He never agreed with that. They couldn't pin him to to to, to those murders, and 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 the and, and the uh, the the answer is right there. He already finished his sentence. Sal uh, release date is 2170, I believe. So Willie Falcone's release date obviously is 2017. His partner in crime, Salvador Sal Magluta, his fellow dropout at Miami Senior High, got a 195 year sentence, and he is at the ad max. Uh, really maximum security penitentiary in Colorado and his email was cut off. So you are, I mean, and, and, and by the time that these guys were ready to plead, um, you know, at the turn of the century, the attorneys were taking a, a, a different courses indeed. I mean, Willie's attorneys were saying that these guys are very different factually and tactically that you can't pin the same witness executions on both of them. That is correct. And, it, and when I, I know most of the, I know most of the crowd in the group, I'm not going to mention names, but when you talk to some of them, some of them love Willie. There was their, he was their best friend. Some of them, the same people, will hate Sal. They didn't get along with him. I think Sal took decisions that weren't correct, and the law hit him. They, they, they found him guilty. They couldn't pin it. Let me tell you something. If they had the slightest proof on Willie, they would have given him 300 years, too. Mm. So... Uh, there you go. You got the answer. Uh, I I think, in my opinion, and and personally, uh, it's my own opinion. I, I respect the law. Uh, Willie should be released, and if 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 he's got his way, uh, he can be released and, and give him a year to find another country that will take him. It can be done also if the judges want to. Now, if the prosecutors push to keep him in jail, definitely, and INS listens to them, you, well, you know what time it is. It, it's 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 bad. In the last minute that I have you, Carlos, I want to ask you, what, are, what do you think the probability is that within this year, uh, Willie Falcone will be seen on the streets of, of Little Havana or Coral Gables again? Right now, right now, yes, right now it's shaky. Uh, uh, right now, there's no certain direction that this case will take. Uh, I hope he can spend Christmas with, uh, 
his beautiful uh, family, daughters. Uh, uh, I think he paid big price uh, for some for, for what he did, and he's they want him to pay the price for what he didn't do. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical, uh, uh, Robert, and I hope uh, I hope it works out for the best for him. And and like I said before, I, I'll vouch for him that he. He was not involved in those in those uh, big crimes except smuggling. He uh, he pled out to uh, charges of probably money laundering or whatever, but uh, not 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 the other not not what they're trying to pin on him. And now they're they're grabbing they're grabbing on immigration hold and and all this stuff. And um, I don't think it's correct. I, I don't think the law should back him up. He did his time. Okay, let him go. And if he breaks the law again, lock him up. Same for me. They're going to lock me up. If, if I spit on the sidewalk, they're, they're going to lock me up. Hmm. Full disclosure, you were listening to Carlos Ruiz El Caña. I do want to uh, urge you to pick up the book Hotel Scarface. It comes out on October 17th. It covers the life and times of Willie and Sal and the government's pursuit of, quote, Los Muchachos uh, well into the aughts. And we see that this this case, it's unbelievable, Carlos. You talk about the 1970s, the 1980s, 1990s, the zeros. And even into the 2010s, the saga keeps continuing. It just never ends. Right. It's correct. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. Joining me on the line from Miami is Alfred Spellman. He is co-founder and producer at Raconteur, the Miami-based media studio famous for Cocaine Cowboys, which is now more than a decade old. Uh, they are, in fact, working on Cocaine Cowboys Los Muchachos, which will deal with the, the adventures of Willie and Sal uh, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, and even into today. How are you, sir? Uh, good to be with you, Robin. Doing good. And uh, I should state in full disclosure, you and Billy were the very first guests on this esteemed broadcast back in 2014. <laughs> and you wrote, the, right. you wrote the intro to my upcoming book, Plug Plug, Hotel Scarface, where cocaine cowboys partied and plotted to control Miami, which drops in two weeks. You must pre-order it. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got my already got my holiday gifts lined up. Excellent, excellent. Listen, uh, one of the beautiful things and one of the scary things about the projects that we both work on is this story never ends. I mean, these are guys who were nabbed in 1980, in April of 1980, and they, you know, there's a plea agreement. It was very mundane, but they go on to become the biggest smugglers of the 1980s, and they're only nabbed in 1991 after being on the lam. Their witness executions, the jury is fixed. At the turn of the century, finally, do they agree to their present sentences? And now the one that is getting out, Willie Falcone, he's not out scot-free because immigration wants to deport him to Cuba. Yeah, and uh, it's actually – I have a real personal connection to this case because I started hearing about it when I was in eighth grade when my best friend's dad was one of William Sal's attorneys uh, when they first got arrested in, uh, in – or when they – third time they got arrested in 1991. So I've been following this case uh, for uh, 25 years uh, – for 25 years as well as I've grown up. You know what blows my mind? There's that great book, uh, The Cocaine Wars. Uh, which was written by a, a handful of journalists. A couple have passed away. They were uh, from the UK. It right. dropped, I think, in 1987 and was updated in 1988. There was not a single mention of Willie or Sal or anybody in their syndicate for an enterprise that the government alleged in their 1991 indictment kind of you know, had, had its mitts on $2 billion of dirty money. 
That's right. And and really, the government's investigation into William Sal didn't really kick into high gear until about eighty six or eighty seven. There were there were busts. Uh, you know, there was the there was the uh, video canary bust in uh, in seventy nine or eighty. And uh, but that was Janet. That, that was Janet Reno, actually, at the that's correct state attorney's office back then. That's right. The and, and they were little fish at the time. Uh, they were they were uh, you know dealing dealing ounces at the time. But over the course of those six seven years, uh, throughout the early and mid eighties. Uh, Willie and Sal became uh, the biggest drug smugglers in Miami. What is it when I talk to people about the Willie and Sal uh, chapter in Miami history and, and, and within the book that they look at Sal very differently? Sal is doing 200 years in an at-max facility in Colorado. He's not getting out. He's there with the Unabomber and various you know, mafiosi and terrorists and whatnot. Willie, he does his 20 years, but the government is still bent on sending him to Cuba, and his attorneys are, are telegraphing that his life is at risk there. Yeah. Uh, as a result of this Miami Herald article this week, there's going to be a hearing uh, on Thursday uh, in Louisiana about uh, Falcone's uh, detention, uh, INS custody. And so the question really is uh, is he going to be sent back? Is he, is he going to face uh, reprisals from the, from the Cuban government for his work, for his anti Castro work uh, in Miami in the 1980s and 70s and 80s? Uh, you know, Sal was charged with the witness murders, which I think was, you know, obviously the big. Differentiation uh, between their their two cases uh, in, in terms of the retrial, um, you know, Willie was not was not accused of the of the of the witness murders, and so that explains some of the discrepancy. Although Sal, of course, was acquitted of the of the witness murders and is now serving 195 years essentially for writing seven checks to his attorneys, which was money laundering. So I don't understand then how the government is able to pin anything else on Willie. If even the victims, the shooting victims and the survivors don't put this on Willie. And they say these guys went their separate ways in the mid-90s and the early aughts. Uh, why are they coming back for seconds? Well, you know, I, I think that, that a lot of this stems from the jury bribery uh, counts that, that occurred, the jury bribery that occurred during the first trial and the subsequent conviction of three jurors who accepted payoffs from the Falcone Magluta organization. Uh, you know, that level of corruption of the system really angered the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of Florida like no other case before. And there are the prosecutors, the career prosecutors who handled this case are still in the office. And they uh, they feel uh, they feel that uh, these guys essentially are getting what's coming to them because uh, because of their attempts to to corrupt the the system of justice. And but everybody justice. everybody in Willie's case agreed to a twenty year sentence, and in fact, his attorney stepped up um, at that sentencing. I believe in two thousand two two thousand three, it said that these guys factually, you know, on the record, everything Willie and Sal are very different. I mean, don't don't group us together. So twenty years. Let me understand this. He was nabbed. Uh, after being a fugitive in October of 1991, was it Operation Sunrise? So he's already done more than 25 or 26 years in prison. What are they doing? Well, the the charge in the 96 trial was a continuing criminal enterprise charge, which would have carried a life imprisonment sentence. And I think that's what the government always felt that both of these these guys were uh, should have received. Uh, and they they haven't they haven't stopped. They've gone after attorneys. They've gone after associates. They've gone after family members. Uh, this has been a a prosecution that has enveloped the U.S. Attorney's Office in the in the Southern District of Florida for going on uh, thirty years now, and uh, as you as you stated, it hasn't hasn't quite ended yet. As you know, uh, Gustavo Falcone, uh, Willie Falcone's brother, uh, was just uh, was just uh, arrested uh, after being a fugitive for uh, for twenty five years from the first uh, nineteen ninety one indictment earlier this spring. So. 
you know, there's a, there's a long memory in the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District here about uh, about the way that justice uh, was obtained or was not obtained in that first uh, trial. You know, Willie Falcone, at the very least, if you go into certain corridors of Hialeah and uh, Little Havana and Coral Gables, he does retain this kind of Robin Hood type reputation, uh, especially among Marielle refugees. He was a, a savior and a sponsor of many people. Do you subscribe to this idea that his brother, who was a fugitive for 25 years, very kind of easily gave himself up uh, in the summer to kind of fall on his sword so the government wouldn't take it out on Willie when he got out? Well, we heard things like that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Gustavo Falcone had been featured on America's Most Wanted uh, several times. Uh, the government really had, had wanted, that was kind of the one loose end of the of the case that the government had always wanted to uh, to, to seal up. And so, uh, you know, there there's been some talk that uh, you know that he was quote unquote discovered. Uh, you know, uh, but right around the time where Willie's a uh, release was scheduled to happen. But it was a lot of hard work by the uh, Miami-Dade Police Department and the U.S. Marshals and others that uh, that really uncovered Alfred, his Alfred, they found him by Disney World riding bikes with his wife. That's right. They found him right outside of Kissimmee. And uh, listen, they found, you know, when Sal, when Sal went on the run after his uh, acquittal, but during his passport fraud trial, he was found uh, right outside of Palm Beach. These guys. Uh, Manal- 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 Manalapan, right? I mean, they don't go far, That's right. these guys. <laughs> they don't. They don't go far from. Uh, they don't. They. They haven't uh, gone far from home. So, what do you think happens here? Right, there have been twenty thousand refugees, and I even have. You know, I have a Miami News article from nineteen seventy eight when Rudy Redbeard, one of the predecessors of Falcone and Magluta, the big cocaine kingpin, is nabbed. Um, there's a huge bust. It was at that time the biggest cocaine bust in Miami history, and the INS was threatening to deport him in nineteen seventy eight. It just doesn't happen generally. Well, that's true, and especially to Cuba, there was a big Supreme Court case. I think it was back in two thousand five about the post sentence uh, uh, detention of Marial refugees and whether that was constitutional or not. If if Castro would not accept uh, uh, United States deporting these citizens back to Cuba, you know, unfortunately, Sal became a citizen uh, because of the Cuban Adjustment Act. You could become a citizen a, a year after arriving. Sal became a citizen. Willie never became a citizen. And that's the reason why he's facing uh, this. This he's in the position he's in right now. Uh, he never became a, a U.S. citizen, despite uh, certainly being entitled to do so. I believe I don't know if the story is apocryphal that Adnan Khashoggi, one of the the architects, you know, Saudi arms merchant, one of the architects of the Iran Contra, you know, back dealing, uh, testified on behalf of Willie Falcone at his sentencing hearing. There was this patina of kind of Iran Contra quasi patriotic stuff going on, as you know the. Exile community has always been involved with the Contra cause, and and cocaine, uh, you know, in exchange for patriotism and arms, was very big in the 1980s. And his attorneys are trying to push that now. You know, uh, there was a joke in Miami back in the 1980s that as soon as anybody was arrested with a load of cocaine, they claimed they were working for the CIA. Uh, that was that was a common defense uh, at the time, and you know, invariably, uh, you know, you'd hire a high-priced defense attorney from the White Powder Bar, and subpoenas would fly to Langley. Uh, to try to get uh, to try to get some cooperation from the CIA, which never really seemed to happen. But you know, a lot of the operations in the 1980s were really conducted in the shadows. I don't know that we'll ever get the full truth. Uh, you know, we're still talking about JFK assassination documents now. You know, how many years later? 60 years, some odd years later. So whether or not we'll ever get the truth of the U.S. government's involvement in cocaine smuggling and how that tied into the Iran Contra affair, uh, and, and the extent of the involvement of CIA trained Cuban exiles. 
uh, is one of those stories that will get uh, handed down from generation to generation in, uh, in South Florida, but I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of it. As one of his smaller affiliates told us for the book that if, if you know Willie had opted to snitch, there'd be a lot of stink in Miami right now. I mean, he went to jail and he sat on a lot of this stuff and obviously a lot of his friends and associates turned on him. Even people in the prison system who had tangential ties to the Willie and Sal uh, conglomerate, you know, used that to get out of 40-year sentences. Uh, this guy is kept quiet and he's kept out of the limelight. No one has seen him now for 20 plus years. You know, and it, it, as you describe very well in the book, the mutiny was kind of this this place where it was a, a uh, the, you know, a demilitarized zone, essentially, where cops and agents and gangsters and drug dealers and soldiers of fortune would all kind of uh, meet after hours. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of mixing and melding of a lot of different interests in South Florida during that period, judges and lawyers and cops. And, you know, there, there was a there was a real thin line between uh, between uh, cops and criminals during that period here in, in South Florida. So I'm sure that Willie has a lot of stories to tell. Now, finally, Alfred, and by the way, I would have you on every week. It's always gravy oh, talking you, to you, and you know, you're you're like my Ashkenazic little cousin uh, <laughs> in Miami. Um, there is just a lot of love, and I don't want this to sound like hagiography hey, or anything. There's a lot of, of of love and mystique and and passion for Willie in Miami. He's, he's almost like a Christ-like figure. What the kind of crap would hit the fan if he were to get deported to Cuba while Raul Castro was in power there? I mean, look, Marco Rubio. Senator, U.S. Senator, presidential candidate. Everybody knows that he guarded the stash house in the in the mid '80s. Whether or not he knew it was cocaine, I mean, you know, he says, "I just wanted to get money to go to Dolphins games." Everybody has a past in Miami. That skyline has a past. But I wonder what what the radio stations would say, what what Univision and Telemundo would say the day after Miami's biggest, you know, Cuban exile cocaine kingpin is deported to Castro's Cuba. Well, of course, and now there's a big wild card uh, in play here with these uh, apparent sonic attacks on uh, American uh, diplomatic corps in, in Havana. I just saw today that uh, the U.S. will be expelling uh, uh, Cuban diplomats uh, in retaliation. And so the question is, will relations deteriorate to the point where uh, the Cuban government won't accept uh, Falcone back? And so I guess – you know that's that's one of these these wild cards in the ongoing American Cuban uh, relations saga that has dominated Miami Miami's news and airwaves since uh, 1959. So uh, you know I I think that that we're about to to find out certainly on Thursday what the ruling is, but I think there you know as you pointed out at the beginning, this story might not be over just yet either. Tell me about Los Muchachos finally to close us out. I'm so excited for this. It's a six-part series. You're working with Brett Ratner. It's the third installment of Cocaine Cowboys, which has now taken on this. It's not even, you know, forget called classic. I mean, freshmen go to college right now. They watch this. They used to have posters of Reservoir Dogs and everything. Now they talk about Cocaine Cowboys. Well, we talk about the, the, the first installment of the documentary as kind of a survey course. Uh, you know, if you wanted to kind of get an overview of Miami in the 1980s and the drug business and the drug culture, Cocaine Cowboy should certainly be your first stop. But we had always wanted to tell the saga of kind of this rise and fall of a uh, Cuban crime family in Miami over the course of 25, 30 years. Uh, but never really were able to because at the time that we wanted to make it, uh, we didn't have the the type of access that we needed. In fact, the Willie and Sal story was really supposed to be the first Cocaine Cowboys, but they were in the middle of the Sal was in the middle of his second trial at that point. So this was this has been a passion project of ours since we first started making documentaries back in 2000, uh, and 17 years later, we're about to finally uh, bring it. 
it uh, bring it to audiences. It's very exciting for us. This is this has been like I said, this has been something that we've been we've been anxious to. We've been shooting interviews over the course of seven eight years for this project, and finally, um, we're as you mentioned, working with Brett Ratner and Rat Pack Entertainment, uh, bringing this to uh, to the screen. Alfred, you are intensely talented. I'm so proud of you. I'm always proud of you, right? You and I went Thank to you, middle school together. We ran in the similar circles. <laughs> I, I get in touch with you back, what, in 2007. I profiled you guys for Business Week and people That's are like, right. raconteur, what? Next thing we know, the big studios are coming after you. You're doing the U for ESPN. You're on your third session of Cocaine Cowboys. Everybody knows you. You're big time. And I'm just so flattered that you returned my texts. Well, thanks, Robin, and and I cannot wait for uh, for Hotel Scarface. The mutiny is a story that uh, that has long deserved uh, a, a deeper dive and a and a, te- and a deeper telling, and uh, you've certainly captured it. And uh, wish you wish you the best of luck, certainly with the book. Thank you, Alfred. Shana Tova. Uh, likewise, same to you. Full disclosure: we are on NPR One and on iTunes at FullDRadio.com. Check us out and love us on all channels, including Twitter at FullDRadio, Facebook.com slash FullDRadio. We also have a Patreon presence if you want to flick us a nickel or two. I'm Robin Farzad, back with you next week. <laughs>